Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we're business coaches who love to help leaders get unstuck and sleep better. In this podcast, we're talking with thought leaders to uncover tips to help you break down the barriers that may be keeping you or your business stuck. Joining me today is Davida Nkinta. Davida is the co-founder and CEO of Enkindle Global and the author of the book, Burning Out Won't Get You There. Welcome, Davida. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. Lovely to be here today. Davida, I practiced your last name, and I don't think I got it out on the first try correctly. I was trying to say Ginkta. Is that the proper pronunciation? That's exactly right. So Davida Ginkta, let me tell our listeners more about Davida. She specializes in participatory leadership processes and operates a global scaled company that supports leaders and organizations in preventing burnout. In addition, she helps individuals and organizations cultivate well-being and developing emotional resilience. Today, I've asked Davida to share some practical tips on how to prevent burnout as individuals and what we can do as leaders to prevent burnout in our own organizations. So Davida, why don't we just get started? Burnout. This is a term you hear bounced around a lot, but as a starting point, how do you define what is burnout? Yes, and you're absolutely right about this. It's a term that recently we hear all over the place. And so it's important to understand what it really means. And sometimes people are a bit stressed or bored, but they're say, oh, we're so burned out, which is not exactly right. Like people who are a bit sad will say, oh, I'm so depressed, but this is of course not clinical depression. And so it's important to understand what is burnout, how it looks like, how it feels like. The formal definition of burnout by the World Health Organization is basically a constant chronic stress related to the work that we're doing, which has not been successfully managed, the stress. And I love this definition because it's not just random stress every now and then. It's chronic stress. It's related to our project, our mission. It doesn't have to be paid work. It could be any endeavor that we are working on, right? And it's also very helpful to understand the difference between stress and burnout, as those two are definitely not the same. And so we always say that Stress by itself is actually not a negative thing. Sometimes people fear of this state of stress, but there's nothing totally wrong with stress by itself. It could even push us forward towards pursuing our goal. However, when we perceive stress as harmful and we're not equipped to cope with it, when we don't manage that successfully in a healthy manner, when it's constant and chronic, that's when it could lead to burnout. And that's the, the right place to intervene, to take action before hitting the wall. That's a very helpful clarification. I appreciate that. You know, I introduce you as being the founder and CEO um, of your own company and named the companies in Kindle Global. And I'm speaking to you from the United States. You're speaking from Israel. Tell me a little bit about the name Enkindle, E-N-K-I-N-D-L-E. Yeah, (laughs) 
we had a long discussion with the founding team. We founded this organization two years ago. When I was waiting for my book to be published, I wanted to do something practical with the knowledge around burnout. We gathered a team. We thought we we're gonna hold a global event. And from here to there, it grew to be an organization which uh, we are very happy about uh, working together on this mission. And so we sat together and we thought, what could be the name of this initiative? We don't wanna go, we don't want to target the negative aspects. We wanna work with people on burnout prevention, but that's not the name itself. And we thought, what could be the antidote to that? And from there, we went to reignite passion which is our byline, but from there we decided about the word in kinder. And some of our team members asked, well, that's not quite a familiar word. People will start, you know, wondering and looking. And we said, good, that will make them curious. This is exactly what we want to do. We want to bring up curiosity and raise awareness and, you know, ask challenging questions, question the status quo. This is a big part of what we are doing. We are doing things differently. Want to shake the system when it's needed? You know, you described the system, but as I'm thinking about what you're describing, burnout, that is a a term that is used worldwide. From your perspective, we're recording this uh, in late April of 2021. In the last 12 plus months, due to COVID. Are you and are your clients experiencing a higher degree of burnout? Yes, and there are reasons for that, actually. It's really important that you're bringing this up because we now, in the first quarter of 2021, have data around this. So during 2020, we could see, for example, on a global scale, of course, we could track more calls received in hotlines of stress and anxiety and depression. We can track quite a decrease in the mental health and emotional situation of people, but we could not put the finger on the specific causes and issues that will cause burnout. But now, a little over a year since COVID hit, we can actually look back and we are still in the midst of, of it, especially now when we look at countries of like India, for example, we can really see what's going on there, what happened in the past year. And so on top of the, I'd say, regular common causes of burnout, we see in addition to that, more issues coming up in relates to burnout. For example, when people are working from home, right, remotely. On one hand, it's nice, right? We can be at home, we can uh, wear our pyjama pants, no one will notice, right? Like, it's more comfortable. And at the same time, people are reporting about the dissolve of boundaries. So work and personal life all mixed together and they're struggling to set those boundaries. I had someone um, telling me in a more kind of private conversation, but when we were talking about this issue, she said, my husband keeps working all the time because he's there at home, you know, with the phone, he's working remotely and he's not present there at all because he's so committed to his work to a degree that he can't stop working. And of course, we also see the situation of facing uncertainty, something we, we have all experienced during 2020. 
Yet when people are not emotionally equipped to face the uncertainty, to deal with the unknown, that could lead to high stress, constant stress, as you said before, that could lead to burnout, anxiety, and so on. And it's exactly why we say that emotional resilience should be built over time, right? You don't deal with the challenge the first time you tackle that when you are lacking the tools and capacities to deal with that. You know, you describe the term emotional resilience as something that can be built over time. Many people found themselves when COVID hit the hardest, which would have been the spring of 2020, is that the two things that you mentioned came into play almost immediately. People were thrown into the unknown, which is very stressful. And because many people were working from home, those boundaries that used to be established all of a sudden got obliterated. And so timing-wise, there's nothing I can think of topic-wise that we could talk about that wouldn't be more relevant for, for our listeners right now. When we opened this podcast, I was differentiating how to prevent burnout as individuals and what might we as leaders be doing in our own organizations to look for those, why don't we kind of address each of those in turn? The first one, individually. What are the kinds of things that you suggest to us as individuals, the things that we need to be looking for and what we might need to be doing about those things? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start by saying that actually those two are interrelated. And so we can't place all the responsibility for burnout prevention on individuals. At the same time, we can put it all on the system. It should be a holistic and systemic work. When we, for example, start working with individuals at the beginning of our professional journey, people came to us after the workshops and they told us, well, this is all great and I can take many tools and I feel more equipped and empowered and so on. But tomorrow morning, I'm going back to the same system, the same organization that contributed to my burnout. And we thought this is true and really important. And that's when we start to address also the systemic level and organizations. So if you start to focus first on individuals, my instant reply is always, there's no one solution. Okay. Both in the sense that there isn't a single solution, there are many, but also there's no one size that fits all. Actually, it could be even more harmful when people are blindly follow others' advice if it's not suitable for them. So the first thing that we would use individuals is self-exploration, which it could be uncomfortable, which could take a bit of a time, especially for reflection, but is so much needed. You know, especially leaders, right? You mentioned leaders, for example. They look around and they might think, me included, well, everyone seems to be meditating. That must be also true for me. I need to be a better leader by meditating, right? Well, wrong. You don't have to meditate if it's not comfortable for you. I have nothing against meditation. That's not it. What I'm saying is that you need to find those practices that cater you in the best possible way. And in that area, there are quite a few practices and quite a few approaches that we can cultivate as individuals. So I address them as more as areas than specific practices now. For example, connecting 
we're social creatures. We need support. And we are also, our being is actually increased when we give support. So the more mutual this support system is, the more likely we are to feel held and well and healthy in that process. And when I say connecting, this is about being actively, actively connecting to people intentionally. Go out and, and you know, find a place, the space to have a conversation, even about challenges, struggles, especially for leaders who tend to bottle up the fears and challenges and struggles. So actively seek for support and advice and it doesn't need to have to be around advice. Sometimes all we need is to be heard by another person. Other than connecting, I definitely recommend anyone with, in that explore your personal practice, but I recommend exploring around the balance. I'm not talking about work-life balance. I'm talking about a highly personal curated balance, which is what do we need in order to meet our needs? How can we balance our routines in a way that will increase our well-being? For example, if I'm working in a very noisy environment all day long, I might want to balance it so it's a quiet time for myself or the other way around, right? If I'm alone all day, I might want to socialize afterwards. So, and there are different types of balance, movement and stillness and sounds versus quiet. So it's about having clarity about our needs and balance that routine. Again, many approaches, many practices for individuals. If we zoom out to the organizational level, there's a lot of work to be done there, especially around open the space for people to talk and share and have healthy dialogues, but also around what kind of support do we give people? How does our reward system works? Are we measuring people only by performance or do we employ, do we employ other measurements? Do we encourage competition, which will often cause people to fight for their place, you know, for their survival? Or do we encourage collaboration in the deepest, deepest meaning of the world. And mainly this is about cultivating an environment that truly cares about the humans, you know, the people, and not just the workers. It's not just workforce, those are individuals that come to the organization with their bag of problems, you know, with everything there. And to those who say that there is no room for an emotional conversation in the workplace, that's because they haven't found a creative way of doing it. And I can tell you it could work, beautifully work. Davida, let me go back and see if I'm hearing some of the points that you want to make sure that we hear correctly. We started by talking about individual burnout prevention versus what should we do as a leader. And you pointed out, that those really are not exclusive roles, they're intertwined. 
And you also pointed out that stress in of itself is not bad, but stress unchecked can be. And when we were talking about things that we could do individually or as leaders, you kind of caution, there is no one size fits all. And that what I noted here is that you're stressing that we need to be mindful of the power of connecting. And what I wrote down here is a support system. You need to have a support system in place. Whereas if you're in a leadership role, sometimes as a leader, you feel a little bit isolated and you may not feel that you can be as vulnerable, but you've encouraged us to not only have a sense of connection and support system, but also be mindful of this concept of balance. And this balance, I was really intrigued by how you describe balance. Balance can be defined in a lot of ways. And I suspect what we're talking about is very well uh, addressed in your book. But that balance, what would result in balance for me may be different than you, but you're stressing the importance of balance individually, but by extension, you're also saying that we have to be as leaders step back and look at the organizations we lead. Is it possible that we are unintentionally fostering undue stress? Are we potentially resulting in burnout because of the nature of, we, of our reward systems, for example? Am I hearing that correct? And yeah. that you're trying to foster, you got to find that balance between individual contribution and collaboration. That word keeps coming up. So am I hearing the kinds of points that you're raising? Am I hearing those things correctly? Absolutely. And I want to elaborate on two points you just mentioned, which are so, so important. First is that part about how do we measure and evaluate people or the workplace and if you remember, I, I said before that we love question the status quo and challenging uh, the mindset, the prevalent mindset. And one of my favorite questions is for people to redefine success, to challenge their definition of success. Because oftentimes we will realize that we are measuring the wrong things in a sense that we are not really care about those things, or we are not measuring enough. I was once sat with a CEO and I asked her about, it was a burnout prevention workshop and in the break she came to me, we started having this conversation and she asked me a bunch of questions and I told her, I asked her a question in, in reply and asked her, how do you define your success and of, yours, of, of your organization's success? And she started describing how well they are doing how they're meeting those goals and that goals and the individual and the sustainability development goals and everything. And I told her, this is so wonderful. Could you see your work? You're doing so well. I haven't heard a single word in your definition of success about the well-being of the people and of your well-being. And she was very quiet and I thought, did I say something wrong? And I asked her, well, said, you know what? I never thought about it this way. I never thought to include in my definition of success 
my emotional well-being. And so that was the first point, to redefine how we measure success. And my second point, because you mentioned leaders and vulnerability, and everyone talks about vulnerability, which is so important and nice, but also very challenging. But how about that? How about instead of looking at this as a struggle between being strong or weak or vulnerable, what does it even mean? How about we realize our responsibility, our role as leaders, also in the field of well-being, especially emotional well-being. There's a term I really like to introduce, which is emotional contagion, which means basically that we, especially if we're in a position of influence, our emotions could be contagious towards other people. And so imagine a leader walks in and they're suffering from within. They say nothing about it, but it projects toward the outside. That's not a role model of being tough and strong because everything will leak out. Everything will be contagious to the people in the environment. So it's really important to understand our role and responsibility as leaders in different settings. You're introducing me to a new term, emotional contagion. Thank you. Do me a favor. Think about clients that you've worked with. Would you be able to share maybe an example of a client that you worked with who found that they were stuck. And what is it that you, in working with them, how did you help them and how do they help themselves get unstuck? Hmm. I love that question. <laughs> I, I learned so much from my clients. So there was, for example, one organization I was working with. They brought me in for one reason, but along the process, they encountered a huge problem. The workers in the um, factory itself, not the management, workers working with hot aluminum, mm -hmm. they made a huge mistake. They cost millions to the organization. And they were not only suffering around this, this issue, they felt guilt. They felt enormous guilt and shame around this mistake. And so the CEO and the HR want to do something with that to see what's going on with the employees. How can we resolve that? And they, the employees really got stuck and think about a group of 25 men and we brought them into a room to talk about their emotions. We sat there for four hours. I, I, I stopped counting the amount of cigarette and coffee breaks they had to take, but they, they did a really good job there like really and what we did is first of all doing it in a highly creative way we said they're like no screens nothing big papers and and uh, markers and color pens and everything and facilitated questions to start exploring those emotions of guilt and everything but the real work there about taking them helping helping them get unstuck was to encourage them to talk about the mistakes in a safe environment. And the highlight was the CEO listening to all the input and then standing up like in the middle of the room with everyone. He sat down with the tables, but at some point he stood up the CEO and said, I wanna make sure that everyone knows here, there's room to make mistakes. We are all humans. We are all allowed to make mistakes. 
and we have your back. And that was, that was even exciting for me as a facilitator to hear, to, to be witnessing such leadership, but also to see the people feel such relief from their stuckness of in guilt and shame around the failure that they were part of, basically. That is a fantastic illustration. And I've never really heard it described where they got stuck and the guilt from such a major mistake. If that had not been properly addressed, they could be doomed to a repeat of the exact same mistake. And it sounds like you as a facilitator were able to help them come to terms. And it sounds pretty remarkable that the leader would stand up in front of that group and just go on record. We're humans, we're gonna make mistakes, and we're gonna learn from those and move on. That's a fantastic example. Yeah, thank you. That was very moving that day, yeah. As you kind of reflect on our conversation, we've covered a number of things. If you were to offer some closing thoughts or some takeaways, what might those be? Well, we did cover a lot, although it's such a wide topic, isn't it? I'd say that for me, one of the most important messages, and if one needs to remember or tackle one thing that we did, is to pause the self-judgment and cultivate more self-empathy. As leaders specifically, we are being empathic to other people, which is really important. What about self-empathy? What about giving this space for ourselves to make mistakes, to be human, to be imperfect, to pause that self-judgment and find our way? You know, sometimes the journey just paves itself when we allow it, when we make room for it. Davida, you're a published author. I introduced on the front end the name of your book, Burning Out Won't Get You There. I love that title. And therefore, in the show notes, we will include a link on how people could access that book. If a listener, after listening to this podcast, wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I have my personal website, davidaginter.com. And of course, our organization website in kindleglobal.com. I'm also available on LinkedIn. That's my playground. Uh, I love this platform. So you can reach out at any time and I'm happy to support. It was on LinkedIn that you and I cross paths. And so we will include information that is your personal website, your company website, in also your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Thank this you. has been a, a great conversation. Thank you, Davida. Thank you. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode of Get Unstuck and On Target. We upload the latest episode every Thursday. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. But you know, life is too short to let business problems keep you up at night. Our coaches love helping leaders solve the tough problems that are holding you back from the success that you deserve. So if you've been listening to my discussion with Davida and you're realizing that something's keeping you or your business stuck, let's talk. Go to our website, bench-builders.com 
or just go to your browser and type unstuck.show to schedule a quick call. So I wanna thank you for joining us and I hope you've picked up on some tips that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.